Who can believe your mythological religion? Science is what I believe. You can't prove that God exists. But dear listener, you can't prove that God doesn't exist. Is it possible that you love your sins so much that the reality of God existing would mean that you have to radically change your life? Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkesbury in the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube at 9 a.m. every Sunday where these are uploaded and you will find other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com and on Facebook, Twitter, Gab, YouTube, and Rumble at God's Resistance. That is spelled G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. You can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. You've probably heard this before. I don't believe in God. Maybe you've said it. I know I've gone out on the streets, I've talked with people, many different types of people, and this has come up. I don't believe in God. I believe in science. That is generally one of the things that is brought up. Or, I'm an atheist, and I would ask people at those times, you're an atheist, so if, say, there's all this knowledge in the world, right? How much of that knowledge that's in the entire world do you possess? Oftentimes, the answer would be something like, well, a speck. I don't know everything. And then the question is, is it possible that the existence of God then is outside of your knowledge, the knowledge that you possess? And if people are rational people, they would have to admit that, yeah, that's a possibility. Well, then the next thing that comes up would be, well, I'm, I'm an agnostic. I, I don't even know if there's a God. So then I ask this question, where did right and wrong come from? Where did your conscience come from? Who teaches a cannibal to bury the bones of his victim? This came from somewhere. Moralities come from somewhere, and it's not just learning. Although people that have um, certain things of learning are perhaps not as deep into depravity and wickedness as others might be, like a, a, a tribe in the middle of you know, a jungle somewhere that's never had any outside civilization that they've been exposed to. Of course, we may have things that are a little bit different in a civilized Western kind of a world. However, morality comes from somewhere. Nobody taught that cannibal to bury the bones of his victim. They just realize there's guilt and shame for what they've done, and they're trying to hide it. Have you noticed that there are countless explanations as to our existence, and purpose as people. The thing that's so crazy is, think about all the lengths people will go to to evade personal responsibility for their moral choice, 
and their condition. Things like Scientology, that we came from aliens, that there was some kind of volcanic spewing that made all this happen. People will go to great lengths to make up anything so that they do not have to face God and a judgment day. They will go up to great lengths to evade personal responsibility now. If it feels good, do it. That's kind of the mantra. Well, there is something that God says. We want to know God's perspective. And this may help us to see this world that we're living in, the people that make it up a part of this world, or all of the world, really. We want to know, what does God say? And I'm looking in Psalm 14 to get God's perspective. So in Psalm 14, the first verse, it reads, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. I'm reading from the ESV, by the way. I have to do that as far as their um, requirements are concerned. Um, So, there is no God. The fool has said in his heart, there's no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. So, the fool. What is a fool? Adam Clark says it this way. The word, first of all, is Nabal, and there was a man named Nabal in the Old Testament, and his wife said, he's a fool, for that is his name. So Nabal is the word here, and we render that word fool. It signifies an empty fellow, a contemptible person, a villain, one who has a muddy head and an unclean heart, and in his darkness and folly says in his heart, there is no God, and none, says one, but a fool would say so. The word is not to be taken in the strict sense in which we use the term atheist, that is, one who denies the being of God or confounds him with matter. One, there have been some, not many, who have denied the existence of God. This would have been in Adam Clark's time, much more now. Two, there are others who, without absolutely denying the divine existence, deny his providence. That is, they acknowledge a being of infinite power, but give him nothing to do and no world to govern. And three, this is an important one. There are others, and they are very numerous, who, while they profess to acknowledge both, deny them in their heart and live as if they were persuaded that there was no God either to punish or reward. I think that's at large where we are in America um, and probably throughout most of the world. We live in a nation full of fools, according to this verse, full of fools that mock God. They trash their fellow humans. They have no concern for God's law, even though they have a conscience. Their conscience at large is seared. They have no concern for human decency, no concern for human life, and no concern for eternity, where they're going to land when this life ends. They basically are like, at large, brute beasts. I can say I was like this before I met Christ, before God has radically changed my life. I acted much like this. And this is God's perspective, by the way, not mine. This is what I'm, I'm getting across. These brute, they're like brute beasts. They basically just live for animal instinct, those base pleasures, eat, sleep, sex. They're devoid of rational and moral reasoning. And maybe this is you who's listening to this broadcast right now. Maybe that's basically what you live for. Just the simple pleasures and the base things of life and animal instinct. And yet there's no higher purpose for you. Maybe that's what you're that that's you who's listening. According to God, that is foolish. That's that's the way a fool lives. And I'm not saying that to be unkind. We have to say these things to wake up. 
because things aren't getting any better in this life. Things aren't getting any better in our, in our country. Things aren't getting any better in the world. You can see that things are heading to this apocalyptic head where all the nations seem to be intertwined in something, and there's this feeling of something big is happening. Well, the fool, the one that I just said, says in his heart, there's no God. And in America, it doesn't stay in the heart either. It just goes right out on the lips. There's no God. Is that because these people know that there's no God? It's because if they acknowledge that there was a God that would judge them, they would have to stop their sins. That's why they say there's no God. I talked with a friend from high school after I was saved, um, and I was trying to just start from a place of just natural law of, of the things that are just, they just are. So we're talking about conscience. We're talking about where does morality come from? Well, it comes from our upbringing and all those kind of things. And I said, well, we can help that there, but where did it come from? How is it that intuitively a jury will understand when something is wrong? How is it that even a tribe in a remote part of the village can get together and come up with something being acceptable and right and something being wrong? You'd say, well, that's just all taught. I'm saying, where's the source of all of this? And so we, we, I kept talking with him and, and going through all of this. It finally got to the point where I asked him, if I could prove the existence of God beyond a reasonable doubt, would you believe in him? Would you change your life? Would you give your life over to God? And he said, even if you could prove that to me beyond a reasonable doubt, I would not change. I would not give my life to him because I want to live the way I want to live. And if you're honest, listener, and you're in this position, that is really at the core of what's going on. It has nothing to do with your head. It has everything to do with your heart. It's your heart that's black and dark and you want wickedness. Philippians 3.18 through 19. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Excuse me. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, and proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is what America is at large. That whole thing, look it up for yourself. 2 Timothy chapter 3, the first seven verses. The fool says in their heart, there is no God. They are devoid of spiritual life. They have given themselves up to the wickedness of this world, and that's why they say there's no God. Because they don't want a God. They don't want to be responsible. They want to do what they want to do, and they want to do it when they want to do it, and how long they want to do it. They don't want to be told what they should or shouldn't do. They are their own gods. Who is this they? They are corrupt. Why? Because you are your own God. Basically, the means justify the end. Well, I can do whatever I want because, uh, you know, God desires me to be happy. So it really doesn't matter how I get to this place of happiness. Some people say things like that. Some people don't even have God in their calculations at all. It's just eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we're going to die. That's what the Bible says. 
That's a foolish statement, by the way, that the Bible is referencing. Why? Because you're your own God. You have the heart of Satan himself. Now, that sounds like strong words, but you shake your rebel fist in God's face, just like the devil. I will be like the Most High. I will take over his throne. I'm going to be the boss. Nobody can tell me what to do. That is a black heart. That is a blackened heart. Not even your maker can tell you what to do. It says that these people are corrupt that say that there's no God. The fool that says there's no God. They, are, they, they do abominable deeds. We know in our world right now and in the United States of America, there's crimes against children. Tr- the sex trafficking industry. Crimes against children. Crimes against women. Crimes against the unborn. The murder factories of abortion clinics and Planned Parenthood throughout the United States. Crimes against the elderly. We see these things that have gone up with certain governors throughout the United States that have essentially killed the elderly with this COVID response. They're trying to cover all that up. These people are doing abominable deeds, and it's not just politicians. It, it's anybody. It's you and I. It's the, it's the people where the rubber meets the road that keep society moving, that have jobs and keep an economy going. It's us, too. We're filled with lust. We're filled with all those desires that come from the pit of hell. And God's perspective is this. The people, the fools that say in their heart, there is no God, they're corrupt. They do abominable deeds. Pornography has gripped America. And it's not just men either, it's women. The sex industry is overpowering our young people. It's going into high schools. It's going into elementary schools. It's polluting people's minds and hearts. It's making sacred things be not sacred anymore. Marriage is a joke. According to the, to, to the Bible, marriage is supposed to be a sacred union between a man and a woman. Now we can be whatever we want. This is because the fool has said in their heart that there is no God. And because of that, abominable deeds coming out. God says there is none who does good. The fool is incapable of doing good. Jesus asked in another place, does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit? Sure, people can make a great show at good doing, but they have black hearts and evil minds. God convict you if you have a fool's heart and help you to see the error of your ways and give your heart fully to your maker. In case you've just tuned in, You are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. That's just the first verse, but the second verse in Psalm 14. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, if there's any who seek after God. That previous verse and what I said would be nothing but discouragement if it weren't for the Lord's perspective. And there's still yet some more discouraging things to say, but the Lord has a different perspective on things. The Lord 
is looking down from heaven on the children of men. What a picture. What a reality. The great God of all existence, scanning the peoples throughout the entire earth, looking for someone that understands. Looking for somebody who seeks after God. And he's doing it in the midst of fools. In the midst of the immoral, in the midst of the God-haters, in the midst of those that are full of sin, in the midst of those that are full of lust and full of the devil, God is scanning the entire earth, looking for someone who understands, looking for someone who has understanding, looking for somebody who doesn't have a seared conscience who's seeking after God. He's scanning the world for souls. He's looking for the one that has not succumbed to foolishness. He's looking for the understanding heart. The person who has ears to hear. To do the sayings of Jesus. Let me ask you, listener. When you hear the sayings of Jesus, is there something in your heart that responds and understanding? Or do they just sound like a mess of confusion to you? Do they draw you to him to dig deeper, even though presently you don't really fully understand what he's saying, but there's something there like a magnetism that pulls pulls you out? To Jesus? Is there something in you that is gripped by the sayings and the voice of Jesus himself? He's talking to you who has not yet been given over to a reprobate mind. That's you, listener. Have you been given over to a reprobate mind? What is a reprobate mind? Romans 128. And since they, that means people, did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a debased or reprobate mind to do what ought not to be done. A reprobate mind is a mind where somebody completely casts God out of the picture and they are reduced right down to a brute beast, doing whatever wicked sins and having no conscience against them. Are you still one that acknowledges God and has not had your conscience seared as with a hot iron? Is that you, listener? There's a greater step than just having a heart that understands. To go on to a seeking heart is even higher. Do you do something about that inner knowledge that you have of a higher power and a higher purpose in life? Do you do something about the morality that's in your mind and heart? Your sense of right and wrong, not only for yourself, but for others around you. Do you do something about that? Right now, we're in an age of activism where people are so concerned about right or wrong on the outside, but they pay very little attention to right or wrong in their own soul. So they can easily point the finger at everybody else and say, you're doing wrong, that's injustice, all this stuff, but their heart is just as black and wicked as the people they're pointing at. That's what we need to focus on. We need to focus on ourselves first. We can focus on everybody else, but if we don't take care of ourselves, we're part of the problem. Do you do something about that inner knowledge? Do you find the source of existence and righteousness or do you just turn it off? Jeremiah 29, 13, God tells us, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Is that you, listener? Do you seek God with your whole heart? Are you seeking for him like his buried treasure? Or have you succumbed to the laziness of our age where if it's not handed to you, you're just not going to take it? Don't let your soul fall into a dark night with the world around you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. 
swim upstream against the flood of wickedness that's going on in this world. And it takes a lot of grit to do it. It takes a lot of energy and effort to do it, to swim upstream. While the, while the world is pouring torrents of wickedness down at you, are you just going to go along with the current? Or are you going to stand up, turn around, and swim against it? Be amongst that noble number of people that know their God and that walk with him, challenging the moral ills of today and pointing men and women to the Savior. It's easy to go with the current. It's easy to go with the flow. You don't have to do anything. You just relax and go along for the ride. But it's a totally different thing if you chart a course that's going against the current. And that's where real men are made. And that's where real women are made. God help us. Verse 3, they have all turned aside. This is God's conclusion after he's scanning everywhere. They've all turned aside. Together they've become corrupt. There's none who does good, not even one. Here's the problem. God's perspective is that most all people have turned aside. Life has been freely extended to all, but they rather live for this life and ultimately choose their eternal death. Turning aside gives the idea that we were all created by God to walk on a certain path, but people at large have deviated from that path and just turned aside, cast it off. And it says that together they've become corrupt. Notice it doesn't say individually, though we do have individual responsibility. And this brings out the point that mob pressure and mob rule are powerful factors. They will drown the resolve of anyone who's not made a firm choice to walk with God in righteousness. Cancel culture is the very tentacles of the devil himself, suffocating anyone that does not support uh, the God-hating progressive culture that we're a part of. It happened back in the Bible, too. We look in Ephesus. If you look in the book of Acts, Paul was in the place, uh, the city Ephesus. They didn't like what he was saying because people were turning to God and they were stopping doing their idolatrous worship and people got so angry that they, they brought him out into a city square and there was loads and loads of people in there and for the space of three hours, they just shouted, great is, is the goddess Diana of the Ephesians, great is the goddess Diana of the Ephesians over and over again and the Bible says they were crying like that for three hours and the mob didn't even know why they were doing it. That is happening in America. Mobs of people join themselves to cause and they don't even know why they're doing it. It's because together, wickedness snowballs. And if you just become a part of the crowd, you just become another addition to that snowball that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. My challenge to you is do not become an unthinking wretch that is swallowed up in the togetherness of evil. Together, the corruption becomes increasingly broad and deep, like that snowball effect. Together, God says there is none who does good. People are afraid to break out of the mold for persecution's sake. God says there's not even one. That is God's perspective. And it's a terrible perspective. I mean, it's a terrible reality. Verse 4, have they no knowledge, all the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord? Have they no knowledge? This is really a rhetorical question because the answer is in the fact that they're called fools in the beginning of this psalm. Without knowledge, the masses of unthinking and unfeeling people eat up the righteous like bread. They think they're fighting for the cause of quote-unquote justice and quote-unquote righteousness, but they really are tools of the devil himself. When you do not call upon the name of the Lord, 
You have no experiential knowledge of your maker. Christianity is just a religion to you, void of divine life. The Bible is wooden to you. It's a skeleton without the muscles attached and with no breathing soul that's within. Do not be fooled by those that wear the name of Jesus for political power and prestige, but do not call upon his name. Those that call on his name, they know his voice and they know God's heart. Verse 5, there they are in great terror, that is the wicked, for God is with the generation of the righteous. Though the foolish often mock and boast, they are in great terror. Why? Because the arm of God is revealed to be in the favor of the righteous all the time. Even if the righteous are persecuted, the arm of God is often revealed uh, through, through time and certainly in when we get before the judgment seat of Christ. God is with the blood-bought. He's with the saved. God is with the generation of the righteousness. God's not with the fools, the God-haters and the God-mockers. Even if it looks like they're succeeding, God's not with them. There's no blessing of God on there. There's no power of his spirit helping them. It's the power of the devil himself. Psalm 2 says it this way. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I'll make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. God shall have the final say. The fools may seemingly get away with their wickedness now, but will be in terror on judgment day at the least. Verse 6. You would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. This is talking to the wicked. And oh, how the wicked shame the plans of the poor. The church of God is looked at as despicable. The poor are oppressed. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But God is their refuge. That's what this is telling us. God's ears are open to the cries of the poor and the oppressed. And I mean the real poor and oppressed, not this fake stuff that we hear so much about. The Lord is the refuge of those that are the target of fools. Stay strong, poor one, if you're listening. Stay strong, you that have been washed in the blood of Christ and are oppressed by the devil and his fools. That's where the real oppression comes from. The last verse here. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord restores the fortunes of his people. Let Jacob rejoice. Let Israel be glad. Oh, that salvation for Israel. The immediate context of this verse is speaking about troubles that were directed at the nation of Israel by the ungodly in those days. And it seems to be speaking about a time when Israel was in oppression or bondage. And they're saying, out of Zion, our salvation will come out of heaven. Israel is robbed of her fortunes, it appears. And the appeal and longing here is that they be restored. And I would say, isn't this the cry of the church through the ages when under persecution and oppression? Oh, that God would send salvation from heaven out of Zion. Dear listener, you may be listening to this, and these may be sounding like strong words to you, 
But I encourage you, do not be asleep with this sleepy age. There are causes that we can be a part of that are true and just and right, but examine every single one of them and scrutinize them because the devil is being successful at large in deceiving so many people. Don't let you be one of them. Are you a fool as defined by this psalm, dear listener? Are you hard-hearted and mocking God? Is there a chance that your conscience has not been entirely seared? Will you repent and turn to God in truth? Will you continue to be your own God and shake your rebel fist in the face of the one true God? Or, dear listener, are you a child of God? Don't be discouraged and fall out of touch with God because of the pressure of the wicked of this world around you. God's perspective is that the wicked are fools headed for judgment, but God is a refuge to you, child of God. So hide in him. Where are you? Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. Introduce yourself to me. I want to set up a time to meet with you. I want to help you and coach you further along in your journey and walking with God and, and shedding off the wickedness of this world. Make sure to follow us on social media. Like and follow us, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. More teaching and preaching is there to help you on your journey and you can connect with others also. Tell your friends about this broadcast every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK and about our social media accounts. But above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. A special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.